Pharma Ventures, the deal experts. Hello and welcome to this edition of the Pharma Ventures podcast. Pharmaceutical companies are increasingly looking further afield for innovative new medicines. South Korea is a country which has a rich history of innovation. Joining me on today's podcast is Pharma Ventures colleague Jung Hyung Um to discuss innovation and the biotech industry in South Korea. Jung Hyun, welcome. Hi, Adrian. Thanks for the introduction. I'm Jung Hyun. I'm an associate of Pharma Ventures. I've been here about a year and a half, going on to two years, mostly helping out Korean biotechs, trying to outlicense their in their outlicensing efforts. A lot of them in oncology space. Uh, before joining Pharma Ventures, I worked at Yuhan, one of the larger Korean pharmaceutical companies, uh, acting as a project manager, primarily for their CDMO business. Um, before that, my background's in biology, uh, studied genomics for my master's before jumping onto the commercial side of things. Great, thanks, Jung Hyun. So what we're looking for here is is uh, the, the true Korean view of, of what Korean biotech's all about rather than, than our view from afar, if you like. So I, I mentioned in the start there that um, Korea is viewed as one of the most innovative nations in the world. It's probably best known for Samsung and its screens and televisions by by the wider um, sort of public, um, and cars, Hyundai, Kia, others, other the most like that. But I think in recent years the Korean government has really um, put a great deal of emphasis on biotech and and wanting that to be a, a successful business, and along with the the venture capital um, community in Korea have really instilled a great degree of growth in that. Would would, would that be the case? Yes, I believe so. Uh, you're very correct in um, spotting that trend. Um, government was a big driver for that huge growth in biotech industry in the last few years. Um, not only um, the financial side of things, there has been a lot of government funding going in and a lot of VCs stepping up and exploring the biotech um, space. But they, they're also introducing policies. Um, they have this specialized technology IPO um, pathway that biotechs can explore. And that really took off in the mid to late tw- um, 2010s um, when a lot of biotechs started emerging and um, looking to IPO since then. And there are also some government, new government affiliates um, that's sprouted out from that. Um, so Biohub is a good example, and we also work closely with them. They nurture um, very early um, startups as they grow into develop their pipelines um, in very early preclinical stages. Uh, and in addition to the Seoul Biohub, there are other um, geographical locations that's exploring a similar strategy. So they're Songdo's opening up this year, and there are other biotechs in slightly further away from Seoul, so Chincheon, Daejeon, Daegu, all known to have good universities, good innovation happening. And for, for those that, that aren't familiar with, with South Korea itself, a, a lot of the, the sort of population and, and activity is focused around Seoul, I think. Is, is it sort of around 50% of the population? Yeah, all, um, all the major industries are focused in Seoul and all, all the main universities are also located in Seoul as well. But th- that said, although people might view it as a, as a smaller nation, it actually is quite sizable. It's, what, 40 million or so people? Comparable to the UK, I believe. Right. Yep. Yeah, Slightly smaller. smaller. But uh, actually, it, it maybe not as small as some people think. Okay, um, we, we talked just then about innovation and you talked a little bit about the, the government support but but South Korea isn't just about innovation it has a well-established pharmaceutical industry with all the component parts that any other pharmaceutical sort of 
big hitter has it it has the r and d it has the manufacturing and everything else and and well established you, could, could you comment on the sort of the, the other characteristics of of the Korean pharma industry um, my previous um, job previous company that I worked for Yuhan is one of the larger pharmaceutical companies they of course have the typical r and d function manufacturing all the regulatory and clinical team to support um, the development of any drug throughout their their developmental process and of course biotechs tend to partner with these larger companies and leverage on their expertise in these regulatory and clinical aspects, uh, whereas biotechs bring in innovative science, although um, bigger pharmaceuticals also invest a lot in R&D, um, but they might um, look into open innovation. That's a widely used term also in Korea, um, where they partner with smaller biotechs and leverage their more innovative, um, more specialized science and bring that in and apply their um, know-hows and insights um, from their years in the industry. Right. So in a sense, it's it's a sort of smaller version of, of the industry that you would see on any of the major continents. It's just a little bit smaller, but it has every component part part of it. So in, in that ecosystem, it, it is like an ecosystem of the small trading with the large, but only for local commercialization, if you like, biotechs developing for the bigger Korean farmers or Korean farmers developing for themselves and then selling to Korea and do they sell to any other regional markets just in, in Asia or do they, do they tend to get any wider than that? No, that's uh, that's a really interesting question because actually although they like to partner domestically and um, look for other Korean partners, they're also very open to um, partnering with global companies or Western companies, um, whichever you want to say. They're very open to partnering with European or, uh, or American companies. They know that especially um, trying to get through the FDA and EMA, they need the regulatory know-how. Um, from, from more global companies, so they um, are very open to um, partnerships in that regard, regard as well. And that, that's kind of where we came into the picture because there was there was a need there, and and Pharma Ventures appeared on the scene and said and said we can help you with your deal making in the West. And there was a uh, a general meeting of of uh, needs and capabilities there, which has led to a number of Korean colleagues as well as yourself and actually doing a lot of work in Korea. What about big farmers, the big traditional farmers, the the, the J&Js, the Mercs, the Lilies of this world? Do, do they have facilities and things there? Do they actually have a presence or do they rely on visiting from China or Japan or wherever else they have? I think most big farmers have their own offices in Korea. One of our colleagues actually um, is from one of the big farmers. Um, right. She was based in Korea, and some of them have really strong BD functions in Korea. They are specifically looking to in-license or collaborate with other biotechs in Korea. They know that these big farmers are aware that there's a lot of innovation in Korea. And, um, of course, they were primarily focused on Japan and China, and they still might be, but there is still growing interest in Korea, and they're trying to expand. Um, Even if these BD um, personnel are located in Japan or China, they tend to make regular trips um, to Korea to okay. seek out opportunities. And are they applying the same kind of criteria in Korea as they would do elsewhere? I mean, we know from our experience that if you, you approach uh, a big pharma player with an asset and it's phase two with proof of concept and it's something interesting... They're going to engage and actually at least sort of start to get get into a uh, really substantive discussions. Um, but if it's phase one preclinical, then quite often, unless it's something sort of very differentiated or, or you know very innovative, um, the the typical response from a big farmer is, we'd like to wait a little and see see where it goes and maybe get some clinical data. Um, uh, do, do, 
is that is that how in your sort of view is that how big pharma are still playing it are they playing the traditional role that they've always played in in Korea as well as elsewhere from my experience yes but um, they do consider and uh, review a lot of early maybe um, after Jeff talks preclinical assets and phase one assets as well um, we know from our experience that a lot of Korean biotechs tend to have assets in earlier stages of development, um, mostly preclinical and phase one. Um, our past projects um, have been um, mainly focused on preclinical and phase one as well, although there were some um, later stage assets that they wanted to have license. Um, but yes, from my experience, uh, yes, big farmers are open to review and initiate conversation for earlier stage assets as well. But there is, a, of course, bigger hurdle to jump through. <laughs> More right. so, and that, that, that hurdle, it's not just a technical hurdle because there are cultural and language differences between Korea and, and, and Western pharma. Uh, do, do you think they are a significant barrier to, to doing de- deals in, in Korea? Or is it something with, say, Korean speakers and Korean knowledge you, you can overcome? I think Koreans are very open to doing business with um, global companies. But of course, there are some cultural nuances that people need to be, it will be helpful to be aware of. Um, A lot of Korean BD functions um, in these biotechs are fluent in English. um, So that's really helpful. But um, having um, firms like us stepping in um, who can understand the culture culture as well as the science and the commercial aspect of things, I think we can really facilitate the conversation. And also it helps that a lot of the consultants, the Korean consultants that we have at Pharma Ventures have actually worked in both Korean and um, Western companies. So we really understand how each company operates in different regions and where um, there could be potential delays, where operationally that there could be a little more delays or hurdles for them to jump through to persuade the management um, so yeah, I think we have a pretty good understanding of how both parties operate and can kind of mitigate between the two. Right, because I, I think it's, it's 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 not just a one-way alignment here of of um, uh, getting um, Korean companies to uh, present things and present in the way that that large Western farmer expect things to be presented. It's also uh, maybe some expectational alignments. Um, uh, because I just, this is just based on my short experience of, of um, working with Korean farmers that they're very keen to get deals done and very enthusiastic and the quality of the science I, I, it's, is, is really, really very, very high um, and higher than a lot of other places where, where we work. So very impressive. But that kind of leads to an expectation perhaps on with some of the Korean biotechs that um, once the potential partners are exposed to this great science that that a term sheet will be pretty quickly forthcoming thereafter. Um, and that's, as you said earlier, farmer behave like farmer behave, the same in Korea as everywhere else. That's not normally the case. Do you think that's, is that a fair observation or have I have I just been, been seeing things that aren't really there? No, I think, um, yes, you're right. I, it's because they're so innovative and older technologies um, are very novel. Um, it could be therapeutics or platform technology. Um, it's a front runner and they do need to build up a lot more data to convince bigger global players. Um, but because it's so novel, um, I think biotechs are a little bit cautious in revealing um, too much about their asset or their right. platform technology, which could be a little difficult to persuade um, big pharmas um, who have their own process um, 
where they need to, um, it might be harder for them to sign a CDA and access that information. So there's a little bit of discrepancy between what biotechs are willing to open up, um, reveal, and what big pharma's need to see at non-confidential stage or even a confidential stage. Right, and therein the, the, the art of the consultant, particularly one that, like ourselves that have both um, uh, Korean and Western uh, knowledge and experience can, can play an important role um, in explaining that, that you know, you, you kind of do have to tell the big pharma what the target is and you do have to disclose the, the mechanism of action of a particular therapeutic and they're not going to run away with it and and, um, and develop their own version of it. That 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 just does not happen um and so but it's understandable i mean this is this is this is new territory on both sides and obviously there has to be uh, a rapport and a relationship and an establishment of trust otherwise um nobody's going to it's not going to progress i guess is where where i'm going that would be be i think that's my view of where where sort of some of the interactions start out but that the, the, the trust gets, well, even then that builds in delay and time to get to that point. Do you think that's reasonable? Yes. I think it's also interesting that some of Western farmers are willing to build that relationship. We've mm-hmm. seen from our interactions from conferences or um, our existing contacts that people are exploring the Korean biotech space and they have been engaging with multiple biotechs or pharma companies out there. And they actually quote some of the Korean things back to us, which is, I think, very interesting. And they understand the culture more and more. The more they engage, they know how biotechs operate in Korea and how the management kind of operates as well. So I think that relationship is getting, is growing and that partnership is growing. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think in, in one of our, our other podcasts, I think we were reviewing the, the year with, with Fintan, our CEO, one of the key themes in that was differentiation that there is good deal activity and will continue to be but differentiation is a key to getting engagement with with pharma and getting deals done and korean biotechs are if nothing else really quite differentiated in terms of their science and their approach and their innovation um, which i guess bodes well for cross-border deals and big pharma getting involved in korea so we, we've talked quite a lot about how much innovation there there is in, in Korea. And we've like we said earlier, we've seen it in other industries. Where is it coming from? Um, how come they're so innovative in Korea and, and more so than other areas? Is it just the culture? Is it the university system? Is it the hospital systems? What, what makes it so special? Um, I think all three and some additional factors as well. Um, Korea's always been very strong in basic sciences, um, biology, chemistry, and universities are heavily funded by the government as well. Um, there's a lot of research grants that enable this. And there's a close link between universities, hospitals, and biotechs. So a lot of the um, biotech CEOs or other management that we see are actually from academic background or from our, our practicing physicians. Um, so there's a very close link that kind of creates synergy. So there's definitely some innovation Good, in, um, good science happening at university level. And I think the recent funding from the government has really pushed this, has been a driver where they were a- able to spin out from universities and create biotechs um, and startups and really try to develop um, a basic science idea into a commercial asset. And because they're so academic, they are, um, I think that's where we come in and try to help that bridge um, to translate that science into something that would um, 
be more beneficial in the commercial side, um, in a commercial sense that makes the commercial sense um, to position it in the market. Um, all the, the science might be great. They might need some help here, here and there, trying to make that uh, more commercially viable asset. So, so there's a really important role for cross-border intermediaries, if you like. Um, uh, we do it. I'm sure there are others that are capable of it. In bridging that that science and that technology that's coming out of the universities and enabling them to, to position it in a way that Western farmers, um, and we'll come to why Western farmers are so important to, uh, to, to, to the Korean industry uh, in a minute, but uh, in that sort of shaping and positioning um, so that deals can be done, even if they have to still progress them to clinical stage. That's right. We, we, we talked a little bit about drivers there for innovation in South Korea and, and the, the government and the, the VC community being an important driver for that to bring innovation out of the universities and hospitals and, and put it into a commercial setting. And, um, and because it's a commercial prospect, there has to be a commercial endpoint. Um, so there's lots of money going in um, and uh, lots of innovation being being driven forwards but then that has to be realised. There has to be a return on this. That's how capitalism and governments work. Um, and Korea seems to have, have developed a, let's say, a slightly different model here um, around the IPO market. Perhaps you could comment on how how Korean companies progress an IPO and how that's different from what happens here in the West. Yeah, of course, um, the pharmaceutical um, industry in Korea is. Um, mostly modeled from Western countries. So there is some foundation, um, very, a lot of similarities there. But because of this IPO pathway that I mentioned, specialized technology-based IPO, and that is the is often the exit strategy all these biotechs go after. Uh, so one of the criteria that you need to meet for the IPO is, of course, drug development, so um, assessing the clinic, but also they need to have uh, cross-border um multinational deals uh, with a global company, um, which is where this need to partner with Western farmers come in. And this um, criteria is getting more stringent uh, with the current market, which is not very favorable. There ha- has always been a need to deal to, to do a deal with Western pharma, but it's growing. The intensity of this need is growing much more uh, recently because they need a deal with a global company to IPO. And that's their primary exit strategy. Right. So the the good news is there's great innovation underpinning it, but they're driven towards early engagement, which is good news for us as Pharma Ventures because that's an area we specialise in and having you and other Koreans enables us to, to work in this area with with Korean biotechs. It does require engagement from the big pharma players on the other side, and I guess the, the differentiation that they're seeking is well served by Korea. So things should be lining up. Korea has that innovative science that big farmers are currently um, not investing in as much as they used to. So there's definitely some um, the R&D support from the government and the great um, hospitals that they can conduct cl- clinical trials in, a lot of mm. investigator, investigator-initiated trials. Um, this, these are all creating synergy. And this innovation partner with global companies with their regulatory and clin- um clinical capabilities and, of course, commercial um, capabilities because it's quite difficult for biotechs to actually commercialize these assets globally. It seems complementary, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of effort required by the biotechs in Korea to seek out these um, companies that's interested in and to satisfy um, all their questions. 
um, they're good at science, um, so their data package seems to be always above uh, what would we would have expected at very early stage biotechs. But there are still a few um, tweaks that they need to work out when they engage with these um, global companies. You're listening to the Pharma Ventures podcast, where I'm joined by Jung Hyun Yum, where we're talking about innovation in South Korea and how Western pharmaceutical companies can access this. We you know we've we've talked kind of a little bit about the process and, and the innovation that's going on in in Korea um, and and the. The, the sort of role that we're playing in there, which is proving to be quite key to to these interactions. But what what sort of things are Korean biotechs doing? Where are their areas of focus? Are they are they are they doing the same sort of things as Western biotechs are doing, and just hopefully doing it better? Or are they are they focusing in different areas? Where 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 do they do most of their work? It's a bit of the both. So therapy area wise, I think it's in line with what people are doing globally. So a lot of oncology um, companies. Um, a lot of CNS and infectious disease. There's also um, a lot of companies doing metabolic disease, uh, which I think is less, slightly less um, done by the Western companies. So therapy-wise, I think it's more or less similar to what's happening um, across the world. But when, when you look at modalities, I think Koreans tend to do focus heavily on more innovative, um, up-and-coming modalities. So they, of course they do work on monoclonal antibodies and small molecules. But a lot of the companies we see that we interact with are cell therapy and gene therapy companies. Um, a lot of CAR-T, CAR-NK companies, um, RNA, GNA, uh, RNA, DNA um, um, technology driven companies as well. Um, a lot of stem cell technology as well. So very innovative. If you were a Western farmer looking for innovation and differentiation in all the areas you should be involved in, and they are, South Korea is a great place to go looking. Yeah, especially when it comes to the cell therapy companies, they tend to, even for biotechs, they tend to have GMP facilities. So they they can really, um, um, even in manufacturing process, they can really um, leverage their know-how, the insight that they've gained from 10, 20 years of studying this specific technology. And that's always, they're always open to discuss um, manufacturing, um, even after licensing out as well, to um, support global farmers um, when they tech transfer. So that's interesting and another, another point of differentiation, I guess, because Western, UK, European biotechs don't tend to have manufacturing and, and we, we've, we've talked about manufacturing and its importance in other podcasts, um, but Korea does. Also, um, the historical thing as well, because we've always been strong in manufacturing, there has been a lot of growth, not just in biotechs, in, in the overall pharma industry as well. So we've always been strong in manufacturing um, and when some of the conglomerates like Samsung ventured into pharmaceutical industry, that was one of the key um, areas that they looked into. So a lot of good CDMO companies out in Korea, I think um, everyone's aware of. Um, and even smaller biotechs tend to have a good, um, strong emphasis on manufacturing as well. And that, that was kind of part of the, the genesis, if, if, I, if I viewed it correctly, of Korean biotech is Samsung, Bioepis and, and Celtrion being two of the, the, the biggest names in biosimilars. Um, was, that some, was that something that really kicked off the, the biotech industry and the government there looked at this and went, yeah, we should be doing more of this? Yes, of course. Um, government support is a huge driver, but having a few conglomerates join in, um, 
entering the industry is another huge factor. Um, the other industries that we've mentioned, like electronics, cars, they also have these huge names that's known across the world. Um, having Samsung um, coming into the pharmaceutical industry and becoming a big player, Samsung Biologics, um, a, now a well, very well-known name um, in the industry that has really gained interest nationally um, within Korea that this pharmaceutical industry is a very growing and up-and-coming industry. We, we've said that they're, they're well-funded. Uh, obviously, we're in a, a part of an economic cycle at the moment, which is tough. Do Korean biotechs find it equally tough? Is, is it hard for them to raise money? Yes, they've been hit quite hard um, in the last couple of years as well. A lot of companies are looking for new investors. Um, Korean VCs um, have been very supportive, but they're also, because of the current cr- climate, um, Korean biotechs are also seeking international um, investors as well. So that's a great opportunity for VCs in the US or Europe if they're looking to enter the Asian market. And and presumably it would still be part of the same model where ultimately the IPO and there's an expectation the IPO window will reopen sometime this year, even in in, in Korea. So there's, there's a good commercial opportunity there for investors, yeah. Yes, they might. The return might be sooner than they normally would expect because they tend to IPO quite in a few years. Yeah. So the the other um, actual axis, if you like, we we've talked about out licensing, and that's that's a dominant piece of of what South Korean biotechs are trying to do. And we we talked about the how that leads to to IPO activity as as possible exits in the West. The M and A space is is quite active and it, it, it sort of moves up and down depending on the IPO window when the IPO window is, is possible and people can get good valuations and, and list, they do. Um, when it becomes a little tougher, um, M&A tends to, to come out because they'll come to the fore more because pharma can, can pick up um, great assets at maybe a little bit cheaper than they would do normally. Um, and so M&A sometimes more favorable than, than licensing. But there isn't a lot of M&A in Korea, is there? So, so we've mentioned that a lot of biotechs are focusing on our licensing to global companies, but there's also bigger players involved, um, large conglomerates. They're actually actively looking to M&A, um, acquire companies um, because their primary focus wasn't pharmaceutical, but they're trying to enter the industry. And a lot of this, um, some of the strategy that they're taking is to simply acquire a European uh, or American manufacturing sites or small biotechs that they can use as their um, overseas office. So we've heard um, in the, just in the last couple of years, um, LG Chem acquired Aveo Oncology and um, and Celsurion that we've mentioned, um, known for their biosimilars, they actually um, got the first biosimilar in monoclonal antibody approved, um, Remzima. They are currently the co-largest shareholder of, of Exuda, a UK um, biotech. So. Uh, these big, bigger names in Korea are looking to acquire and um, it's been their, one of their strategies to expand into the, uh, the pharmaceutical space. Right. So that's, this is larger Korean companies conducting M&A activity in, outside of Korea, in, in Europe and, and beyond. Do we see anything going the other way of, of European and American companies acquiring Korean companies or is that something that doesn't happen so much. Yes, not as much um, as what we've seen. So like LG Chem and Celsius, an example, um, these are well-known um, Korean companies looking for opportunities abroad. Um, but the other way around, uh, we th- see some activity there. Um, global companies looking to buy a smaller Korean biotech that 
there is some activity, people looking to for opportunities in Korea, not just licensing, but M&A as well. It makes sense. You, uh, as farmer, look to, to replenish pipelines with differentiated assets. Career is obviously going to be a target. And as, as we've been able to demonstrate here at Farmer Ventures, what limited cultural differences and language differences there are can be overcome with um, uh, the right people um, operating to, to bridge the the, uh, the the two sides. We think that it really helps having a, not just a Korean speaker, but someone who understands industry like from for both parties, who has experience in both Western and Korean pharmas, and understand how biotechs and bigger pharmas operate. Um, and also, at the same time, understand a bit of the science. That also helps. We've recognised this and, and um, we've been operating in, in South Korea for four or five years now. And, and as we've said, have a number of Korean speakers with us. But recognising that this is a growing part of the world in terms of innovation and, and deals, we as Pharma Ventures will have presence there in the country. And you'll, you'll be returning to Korea? Um, yes, I'm actually heading out to Korea quite soon um, to represent Pharma Ventures, of course. I'll be on the ground meeting people in person at the same, t- same time zone, so I'll be t- able to meet more people, um, even on Teams, um, as well as in person. There's lots of opportunity out there, um, and so uh, more engagement with that, with the market and the innovation there is can only be a good thing. Okay, so it's exciting times in Korea and soon to be more so with you going back there. Jung Hyun, thanks for joining us today. To sum up, it's clearly one of the most innovative places um, in in the world and uh, no less so in biotech than any other area. They're in the key areas where uh, everybody is seeking new therapies, where there are great unmet needs, driven by great support from the the Korean government and the Korean VC industry. And and we see lots of more innovation coming out there um, and helping to build the pipelines of the big farmers. To learn more about uh, this podcast and others, head to www.farmaventures.com slash podcasts. And for anything else that PharmaVentures can help with in the pharmaceutical transactional space, head to www.farmaventures.com. Pharma Ventures, the deal experts.